that was my Joel Penner's song, Delicate. And here's a mini review by Eric Joshua Berg. Um, I thought that that was really good, and I kind of collaborated on it, so I don't have a lot to say. It's true. But um, there, if there's just one thing, yeah, I would just say it should go longer in the middle, but I liked how you experimented Intr- with, diff- oh, yeah, with different yeah. instruments. It's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That like, was- Instead of doing a standard piano in the middle, you put I it changed to it to a synthesizer. Yeah, very interesting. And yeah. like, didn't have just normal drums. They were like pretty. Effective choice. That was yeah. an effective choice. Yeah, I really liked it though. Um, Thanks. Just you know, a little short. I think it could be. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to hear more. Expanded upon. Yeah. There's a lot of things that could be elaborated in the song, but. Exactly. It was great. It just could be elaborated on. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Here's the next part of our podcast. Uh, this is a story I wrote last year. It's called um, Burning the Midnight Oil after um, a poem, I think, written by a Yukon writer. And you'll see why that has a few different meanings in this story. Um, let's begin. This will be read in two installments. Here's the first installment. Burning the Midnight Oil. Sometimes life just kicks you in the face. You know? I'm talking metaphorically, of course. I mean... I've never been kicked in the face by an idea. What I'm saying is that sometimes something just just snaps. Your regular life just disappears, and you get thrust outside your comfort zone. It never feels very good, but by the time it's over with, you've turned out a better person. Or dead. Nicholas. All my life I've lived in a void of fear. Anxiety, worry, nervousness... Mortification, horror, terror, paranoia, all of them. And it feels horrible because every time life throws something at you, you spend too much time analyzing the surprise gift. By the time you're sure it's safe, it's also rotten and useless. My my psychiatrist was supposed to help me with that. I guess in a way he did, but he just nudged me forward. It was life that really threw me into the thick of it. Harold. The 3rd of January, 2003, 9.32 p.m., Whitehorse, Yukon. Wintertime in the Yukon provided three things. Eternal darkness, abundant snow, and bitter cold. Whitehorse patrons hated these things. Their city in winter paralleled a human body in that it was really dark inside and was 80% water. No one liked it except the children who, cloaked in darkness, would pelt each other with their endless snowballs, and the restaurant owners, who made double the money because of the desire for a warm, gleeful ambience and a fast, scrumptious food. Nicholas, one of these very few winter-welcoming people, was enjoying the lingering customer from the day's rush, blown in by the bone-chilling wind that was racking the Yukon at the time. His restaurant, The Breakfast Nook, was a small restaurant, old-fashioned and traditional. It had been passed down the Bishop family. Along the west wall, a line of family portraits in ornate frames hung. Also, through the years, the family had added to its collection of Norman Rockwell art, so the walls were graced with such paintings as Hot Pursuit and The Jury Hold Up. Where art wasn't covering the the walls, retro wallpaper was. Along the south wall was a line of booths, and in the center of the room, Tables were asymmetrically scattered. On the east wall was the entrance, and on the opposite side of the room was a counter, behind which Nicholas took orders and made food and money. 
At the moment, he was doing the latter. Nicholas stood tall, almost six feet. He wore his curly black hair short, and when he was cooking, his apparel was a dirty white apron. Before him stood the frail, short frame of Mr. Prongs. An excited life thrived in his eyes, even if he was 77 years old. His wrinkly head had wisps of gray hair shooting out of it like, a fo like fog on a moor. Mr. Prongs had started being a breakfast nook regular when he was 15. That was 17 years before Nicholas had been born. He handed Nicholas a $20 bill. Nicholas knew how much Mr. Prong's meal had cost, and knew the change too. With dexterous fingers, he opened the cash register, placed the money with the other bills the old man had previously given him, and pulled out $6.89 in change. Thanks, Nick, the regular customer wheezed. His daily cigarettes had slowly worn away his voice, so that now everything was set, he said was in a whisper-like voice. See you tomorrow. Mr. Prong smiled his knowing smile. Bye-bye, the owner said, a grin on his face. As Mr. Prongs pushed the door open and left the, tell and left, the telltale bell of coming and going sounded, Nicholas sighed. It was the worst, it was the worst part of the day now. I've always felt like an actor, until all the customers leave. Then I'm more like a lonely man that's been searching for love all his life, but now he's a 45-year-old man with no love and no life. I keep waiting for my happily ever after. The sleeping beauty I can be Prince Charming for? But, well, you know, maybe she could be awake. Nicholas. Nicholas slowly went through the necessary steps of closing up. He pulled down the blinds, put the chair down, put the chair upon the varnished oak tables, swept and mopped, and washed the dishes. Finally, he reached behind the blinds and flipped the open sign to closed. He strode behind the counter with confidence lost with the day, and bent down behind the old counter and pulled out his shotgun. It was very old. His father had bought it because of a robbery that had occurred. As of yet, it had not been fired. Nicholas eyed it with disgust. He understood his father's motives for owning a gun, but he did not like its ominous presence. So far, without fail, he had carried it upstairs to his bedroom that sat on the top of the, res of the restaurant, gone to sleep without any interruptions from the, from the rest of the world every night. He shook his head. What was the point? He put it back on the shelf where he had taken it from. He turned around and flipped the light switch off. Darkness flooded into the room, and it was instantly enveloped in black. January 3rd, 2003, 10.24 p.m., Whitehorse, Yukon. Harold blew hard on his mittened hands and rubbed them together, vigorously. His parker wasn't doing much against the vicious wind. His balding head perked up from his slouched shoulders, and he looked over the surrounding buildings. A little cinema, a bookstore, and an old-fashioned restaurant called The Breakfast Nook. They were all closed. Meekly, Harold, Harold waddled to the door of the diner-esque restaurant. His gloved hands knocked quietly on the door, at first, then a little louder. He wasn't sure if he could hear footsteps, and the darkness preached a sleeping owner. The temperature was at a savage extreme, and the nervousness instigated sweat droplets that were starting to freeze on his face. Finally, out of a fear of frostbite, he reached up and turned the doorknob. It had been left unlocked. The silence was shattered as the door creaked open and the bell rang.
the, sl the silvery light of, of space's celestial beings flooded in. Then he slammed the door shut, and he was consumed by blackness. January 3rd, 2003, 10.27 p.m., Whitehorse, Yukon. Bang! Bang! Nicholas opened his eyes. Someone was knocking downstairs. The owner groped and caught the pull chain to his lamp. He yanked it, and a warm light emanated through the room, throughout the room. He crawled out of bed, completely naked except for his boxers, and pressed his eyes shut until exhaustion had eked out of him, and he was seeing straight. He stood slowly, grabbed his night rope, and wrapped it about himself. Nicholas walked down the stairs apprehensively. Quietness, brought up by caution, made it eerily silent. He couldn't see in the perpetual darkness, and stumbled down the rest of the, of the stairs. For a moment, he saw the dark silhouette of a slouching man. Abruptly, the light disappeared as the door closed. Both men's pupils waxed largely, but there was no light. They tried to discern what was happening, even with the faint outlines, but they could see nothing. Finally, Nicholas, Nicholas called, tentatively, ten, finally, Nick, finally, Nicholas tentatively called out, Hello? Hello? came the reply of the other man, and then they plunged into a chorus of hellos in an attempt to find each other, and finally they did. Crashing into each other, as their bodies entangled and tumbled, they threw their arms up for some handhold, and one of their hands hit the light switch, filling the light with a warm glow. Finally, they had a good look at each other. Nicholas's hard, cocksure, yet lonely and melancholy eyes caught the nervous, fidgety ones of Harold. Quickly, they both scrambled up, unsure as to the motives and future actions of the other. "'What are you doing here?' Nicholas asked with all of the authority he could muster. "'I, I, I was just just wonder, wondering if, well, if, if I could use the, the bathroom.' Nicholas eyed Harold suspiciously, then replied, Sure, through that door into your left. He pointed to the door that was labeled Washroom. Harold walked towards it in his tediously slow, anxious waddle, and Nicholas watched him the whole way. Harold shut the men's washroom door behind him. He could feel his heart pounding inside his body, like a rubber ball in perpetual motion, bouncing inside his body infinitely. His breath was coming in ragged wheezes, and he looked like he had just come out of a bath. He swabbed his fa face with his handkerchief and stared in the mirror. My psychiatrist told me I should take hold of my life. That day I'd bought a gun. I thought maybe I could rob some place or something. But now that I'm in the position, I... Well, I don't want to do it. Maybe I'll just get some food, rent a hotel room, and call my psychiatrist in the morning. Okay, that sounds good. <clears throat> Harold did his duck-like walk out of the washroom, and to Nicholas, who had woken himself up by a splat with a splash of cold water and was sitting behind the counter now. Harold approached him and stood before the sitting restaurant owner. My name's Harold, the nervous man introduced. I'm Nick. Well, I hope I see you around. Bye now. I actually, I was thinking... Maybe I could get something to eat. Well, normally I would, but I'm closed. I'm sorry, I really am, he said apologetically. Well, maybe you can swing by tomorrow. Nicholas rose to leave, but when he turned to look back at Harold, a gun was up to his face.
are going to interview. Um, we brought in a local hero. Um, excuse me. Excuse me. Could you uh, say your name? Mm, um, my name is Joe Bob. Joe Bob. Joe Bob. Um, what do you do for a living? I'm a firefighter. Joe Bob is a firefighter. Now, what makes him a hero, you may ask? I mean, there's a lot of firefighters out there who don't do crap except saving people from buildings. Let's find out what this Joe, jo Joe Bob does for a, for a living. Not for a living, what he does to make himself a hero. What do you do, Joe Bob? I save cats from trees. He saves cats from trees. Did you That's hear that? That's I do. Yes, he saves cats from trees. Now, mm -hmm. how, what does this have to do with you being a firefighter? Well, you see, firefighters are often called to place to save cats. Are they? Yeah. So, so I think it's good that I just save cats. That's all I do. That's, that's what you do. do you, how much do you get paid for that? Pretty much a lot. Pretty much a lot. Okay, well... I'm just going to go into a few questions here. Well, okay. What were you going to say? What were you gonna I say? love those furry creatures, the cats, you know. I love them. That's good. Um, now, I researched a little bit about you, and I found out you mm. are actually, you actually grew up in um, Winnipeg. Yeah. So where did that accent come from? Uh, my parents are from France. Your parents are from France. I'm so. also very soft-spoken. So you inherited this accent. Yes, I don't like to talk about it, so if you wouldn't mind. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, so. It's a very embarrassing subject for me. Let's get into um, some more important questions. When you buy a sweater, do you like it sewed or knitted? Hmm, that's a tough question. Very personal. You, should, you shouldn't be asking these questions. Uh, sewed. So you're, you like sewed, sewed yes. sweaters better? Yeah. Okay. Um, if you had to pick a magazine to subscribe to, would you pick GQ or Cosmopolitan? I don't read magazines if you don't ask me that. Okay. Um, do you like yellow cats or brown cats? Don't ask me that. I save all cats. I do not have prejudices. Very good. Um, if you got to, um, what would you rather have? A makeover of your body or a makeover of your house? Ow. Um, a makeover of my house. Makeover of your house. Where do you live? Can't tell you. Um, do you live in a very, ma uh, like, do you live in a mansion? Yes. Imagine. Well, um, do you prefer Coke or Pepsi? Well, I prefer Coke because the cats like it a lot. They'll sip it up and they won't burp or fart. They like Coke a lot. So, if they... That if I like drink, I don't like drinking Coke. I just get it and I give feed it to the cats. That's all I do, just the cats, all the cats. If I save a tree, I save a cat from a tree... I saved a cat. If I get a cat from the shelter, I get a cat. I have about 20 cats right now, so... Do, do they run up into the trees ever? No. I train them personally. Do you think that everybody should have this training? 
Yes, I think so. I'm offering lessons soon, so I suggest that you come all over the world to get your cat no running up a tree lessons. Very good. Very um, worthwhile. Very worthwhile, yes. But I don't suggest everybody get it, or else I wouldn't get to save cats from trees. So you wouldn't have time if you... If so, um, but, but I, I'm, I'm asking you if, um, if you did too much of these lessons, would you not save cats from trees anymore? Would you not have time or something? Yes. But wouldn't you think doing that many lessons would be saving cats from trees? Yes. You're correct. Um, okay. Um, how did you become a cat saver? Well, there. That's a big question. I started out firefighting. I wanted to be a firefighter. But when I did my training, I didn't know that I had to go run into burning houses. So they, I was just crying up when the fire alarm rang. I was just crying up in, the, in our den. And they just said, come along, but I didn't go. After about a year, they started saying, look, we're not paying you to do nothing. We're paying you to save stuff. And then I said, hey, I like cats. And they said, hey, we save cats from trees. And then I'm like, sweet, I can save cats from trees. That's my story. Okay, um, so let me recap here. You didn't know firefighters had to um, do anything with fire. Yes. Um, I thought I thought it was for like... I thought it was you're just studying fire. I didn't know you fed fire. Okay. Um and uh you sat in the loft of a firehouse for about a year not doing anything but That's still true. getting paid. That's true. And then after a year you got a job saving cats from trees and you get Paid as much as... You're a brilliant man. I'm just glad I caught all that. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much for your time, Joe Bob. Uh, thank you. What is your name? My name is... Dector. Dector. Lawrence. Dector Lawrence. Savior. Dector Lawrence Savior. Shonathan. Shonathan. Dector Lawrence Savior Shonathan. Lather. I'm very good at remembering names, by the way. Dr. Lawrence, Savior, Shonathan. Dr. Shaving, Sovereign, Larianth. Thank you. I don't think you did enough of those tongue Thank twisters. Thank you. You know what? We're just going to go now. Um, He doesn't need... I'm going to tell him my name off the air. Yeah. I'm going to... We're going to go over it a few yep. times. We don't need to recap my name. We've already... You know, you've already heard it enough times. All right. Thank you. Um, Okay, Goodbye. So it's uh, Dr. Lawrence, Sabier, Sean, Dr. Lawrence, Sabier, Shonathan. I gotta go save more cats. I'm sorry, I can't well, hear you. I thought you wanted my name. I can't I hear you. I'm, you. I don't care about your name. You asked me. I don't care about your name, sonny. Go, go save the cats, you know. You think you're a hero, whatever. Delusions of grandeur and all that jazz. <laughs> For a new section we're having on Musings of the Living, 
we are going to do a short movie review and then a book review just on the spot and hopefully you'll get you'll get to see a few good movies out of that so this time I'm Joel Penner I'm reviewing the movie Garden State and Eric is reviewing The Old Man in the Sea which is a book Here's a part of the soundtrack of Garden State just to get you into that world a bit. Garden State is a very interesting movie in the way that um, it has one of the main themes is transformation. Um, Andrew Largeman, who is the main character, he is basically the story of the movie is he comes back to his hometown for his mom's funeral. He has a very odd relationship with his mom, but um, he comes and he's pretty asleep. He's pretty out of. He's yeah, he's pretty diffused. To reality, and um, during the course of him being in his hometown again, he kind of wakes up a bit, and yeah, that's the one of the main themes in the movie, and it's pulled off really well. It's a very, it has a very good soundtrack. Um, it's it's just really interesting. It's up with the times and such. So if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend it. And it's probably good for the teen and up range. As Joel said earlier, I'm going to be doing a review on uh, Old Man in the Sea. I just read it recently. It's by Ernest Hemingway. Um, here's an excerpt from it. The line rose slowly and steadily, and then the surface of the ocean bulged ahead of the boat, and the fish came out. He came out unendingly, and water poured from his sides. He was bright in the sun, and his head and back were dark purple, and in the sun the stripes on his sides showed wide and, and a light lavender. His sword was as long as a baseball bat, and tapered like a rapier, and he rose his full length from the water, and then re-entered it, smoothly, like a diver, and the old man saw the great side blade of his tail go under, and the line commenced to race out. Um, this book is, um, I would suggest it only to the people who are, who are older or, um, ready to, um, kind of just throw themselves into something that won't be throwing itself back into you almost. It's, um, some people call it boring. It, it, it's an old man in a boat on a sea trying to catch a fish. And really the idea of it is very simplistic, but it really talks about his moral dilemma and it's very good, um, a story of courage and of uh, ethics and of the conscience and of a lot of other things and of brotherhood and love. And I think it's a great story. Um, if you have time, just pick it up. It's only, it's a novella, so it's only a hundred and a few pages long with very big print and 
small pages. And so check it out. It's a really good book. We don't com commonly know enough about any band, so instead we're going to be talking about how Christmas is coming up. So listen up. Yes, we're going to have a discussion on Christmas. Christmas Chris is coming. Christmas is very soon, sort of. Uh, kind of. But we have Christmas break coming up and lots of things are going to be happening. Christmas kind of like... Christmas. Christmas. What is Christmas? It is... The birth of Jesus Christ. Yes. And some people think Christians stole Christmas. Did and they? originally it was um, it, it was a uh, winter solstice. Did they? Yes, they did. They, they do. They, some people do think that. Interesting. Like Kelsey Heinrichs, one of our producers. Kelsey, sure. what do you mean winter solstice? He believes that, well, winter solstice was a um, celebration, celebrated with people before, before uh, Christ and all that. Um... Winter solstice was about the solstice and about winter and celebrations. And my mom works with someone who does that and stuff like that. Um, anyways. Okay, so Christmas. Christmas is... Christmas is weird. What do you think about it? Um, it's basically just a big excuse for just... It's very, very... A lot... It's very... A lot of, there's like partying, um, lots and lots of money spent on gifts, I guess. It's very superficial in a way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people like get anxious or worry about it because, yeah. oh my god, Christmas, everything, blah, 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 blah. You they, know? There's this whole weird Christmas consumer, consumeristic culture. And I think mm -hmm. it says something about Christmas that we have Boxing Day right after it. Yeah, like you've just got, you've just got... People just spent all this money on it. Now go buy this. Go buy more for cheap. No, no, no. It's weird. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a demented holiday, but it's fun too. It's fun too. Just as long as you keep in that, yeah. As long as you keep in mind what it's really about. What is it really about? I think it's really about like um. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way to put it so it doesn't sound corny and fake. But. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell because it's like, like um, the classic idea is is kind of like love and all that, but then it kind of gets destroyed by this whole superficiality that gets brought into it. So you, mm -hmm. it's hard to really tell about about Christmas. Okay. What's your favorite part of the holiday season? Um, I like kringling people. Like just. What what do you mean by kringling? Kringling is when someone. Give something. Someone gives someone a gift. Just you usually pick names, but so you give them a gift that it's usually a small gift, and it's really cool because you don't know who did it, and it's really fun. And I also like um, the Christmas holidays. I think they're pretty good. Mm hmm. But yeah. Cool. But yeah, it's very. What What's your What do you like about Christmas? Um. The days off, um, but uh, no. But besides that, I like um, 
I like seeing other people open the gifts I got for them. Yeah. I, it, it's so much fun to see, and I hope they like it all the time. I'm like, oh, no, they're not going to like it, or, you know, but I think it's it's fun for mm-hmm. for me to see what, what I, other people appreciating or just opening what I got for them, because I... It's really... I, oh, yeah, yeah. It gets really built up, you know? Yeah. And you just can't wait to see. It's very, it it's very consumer, superficial consumeristic culture, but there's some parts of that that are pretty fun. Mm-hmm. If done with like spirit and lo- like actual love, just not superficial love. Exactly. I totally agree. And they're all, yeah. But also another controversy about Christmas is oh, that yeah. there's all these other religions. Yeah, there's all these other religions and the... So people are saying, like, is it the holidays? Is it Christmas? We can't say Christmas because it has Christ in it. Yeah. And I saw actually a billboard recently while I was driving by. It says Merry Jesusmas. Merry Jesusmas. Instead of Christmas. It's pretty funny. But um, <clears throat> what people are saying, I saw, I heard this thing on the radio, this woman talking about how she's Jewish, and she really would appreciate it if um, if people wished her a happy happy holidays or happy Hanukkah instead of Merry Christmas. Weird. Because, but she says, well, I know what, what the meaning behind it is, so I accept it. I just would much prefer them to say happy Hanukkah or happy holidays if they recognize me as a Jewish person. So it kind of gets everybody's re- weird religion, gets everyone's religion into play, which isn't usually a good thing. No. And she, yeah, there's like, you just kind of, I don't know, it's really hard to tell about that thing. Yeah. Because... Yeah, it's really hard to figure out Christmas. Mm-hmm. But it's there. There's some like everything. There's like everything. There's some great parts and there's some just weird parts. But mm-hmm. on the whole, I think I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Just, just yeah. Cool. So, um, we hope you have an interesting Christmas. Happy holidays. Because yes. we want to be politically correct. No, we don't. Okay, well, have a good winter break, and Merry Christmas, whatever religion you are.